0: What about you what direction are you pulled into is it apathy is it legalism are you a legalistic person where you wish you could just we just go back to the way things were it's about tradition it's about heritage about rules and so you want to fight against anything that you see in culture or are you more apathetic You just rather just go with the flow go with the way of culture and and maybe at one point you had hope in God but you're not seeing God move in the way that you hoped he would move anymore. And so you just kind of become apathetic. I tend to be more apathetic and wonder God, where are you in this? It's important to become aware of our tendencies.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host for this show. Thanks so much for listening. We are in week number three of our series called Ephesians Part One Jared is Preaching. Um, But we're also celebrating Mother's Day. And uh, let me just say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Um, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for my mom. Um, I'm thankful for my my wife's mom. And we're actually, we're trying to be creative in how we're celebrating. So today, later today, we're going to go and drop off some flowers at a distance and just say hi, Um, social distancing, of course. But I hope that uh, to anybody listening that your families are able to be creative and celebrate you today, um, despite being in quarantine still here in Michigan. Um, but all that to say, uh, we're thankful for you and we hope that you're able to, to have some celebration today. So here's Jared with the message. Enjoy.
0: Hello, everybody. Hello, Life Church. My name is Jared Van Voorst and I'm one of the pastors. And welcome to our online worship experience. We're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, would you do me a favor, if you could, please? Would you go ahead and share this, share this worship experience on your Facebook page right now if you're watching live so that others can join in in this experience either right now live or a little bit later on because we want everybody to experience hope and joy and peace in the midst of this. Uh, This has been a very difficult season for many. Uh, I want to share just a little bit with you of what's become difficult for us and and my family. Um, But also I want to say this, if you're brand new, if this is your very first time with us, would you just go ahead and type I'm new in the comment section and somebody from our team or from our church or any other uh, partners, people that just join our church for whatever reason, they want to say hello to you as well and meet you in this digital space. And so go ahead and do that right now if you could as well. Just say, I'm new and we want to reach out to you and make sure that you get connected. Um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, you may notice we're in my house once again. And if you've been watching for the last couple of weeks, you might be wondering, well, they were at the church. I thought we were making our way back at the church. And, and we are, I assure you of that. But there's a reason why I'm in my house recording this sermon. I was slated to be the one preaching, I and I had originally planned on going to the church to record that session, but something happened um, in our family. Over the last couple of weeks, our daughter Cora has kind of been going in and out of feverish symptoms, and, uh, but then she would be fine, and then, and then she would say her tummy would hurt, and that was kind of confusing, but then it would sort of go away. And uh, Long story short, eventually on Monday, we finally took her into the doctor, And they immediately referred us to uh, Children's Hospital, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, They just wanted to make sure they could rule out anything with her appendix. And so on Monday, I drove her there, um, not knowing what to expect. And when I got there, we went to the ER. And sure enough, it's acute, complicated appendicitis. And my daughter, Cora, she's seven years old. She's just in a ton of pain and confused. And, you know, of course, everybody's wearing masks and she can't see anybody's faces, can't see how they're reacting. And they give her some pain medication so that they can at least take an ultrasound just to look at the problem. And the pain, of course, starts to go away. And she looks at me and just says, Daddy, why do we have to stay here? The the pain, it doesn't hurt anymore. Can we just go home now? And uh, I just had to try to convince this seven-year-old girl that, no, there's, there's more there. I know the pain's gone for now, but it's probably going to come back until they fix this. And, and so they, they couldn't operate right away um, because it was so in, infected. Um, and so what they have to do is they have to allow all of that infectious uh, liquid to, to drain out. And it, it takes a long time, and there's really no telling how long it's going to take. But also in preparation... Uh, For any kind of operation, they had to do a COVID test um, as part of their new standard protocol because things are changing every single day. And much to our surprise, uh, she tested positive for COVID-19. And we're just, (laughs) we're super confused as to why she didn't exhibit any symptoms. None of us have exhibited any kind of symptoms. They think, well the DNA strand of COVID-19 is in her system. It could have been there for two months, could have been there for two weeks. We just don't know and it's confusing. And so immediately there's a change and everybody's wearing masks and everybody's putting signs on our door. And she's terrified. And I'm terrified. And I don't know what to do. There's appendicitis that is going to cause more pain. And now there's this disease, this virus. And so... My wife and I were able to switch out because they were gonna need her there for uh, several days, maybe weeks. And so we were able to switch because it's better for my wife to be there. She's there right now as I record this. And I'm at home with our other two kids. I don't even know what they're doing, hopefully not causing trouble. And I, I just feel out of control. I feel like I can't do anything. Cora is terrified. She's scared because her tummy is distended and they have to keep draining the fluid, but it's causing excruciating pain. And then all these different doctors and nurses are coming in and they're poking and they're prodding and they're trying to figure out the problem, but she doesn't understand it as that. And it's just really hard to know how to care for her from 20 miles away. I feel completely helpless. I feel like words matter in moments like this. And, and that's why I'm in my home. That's why I'm preaching here, because now we're quarantined for the next two weeks at least. Even though I'm not showing any symptoms or anything, but we've been exposed, and so I'm here. And words matter in moments like this. You know, a year ago, um, I, almost exactly a year ago, that you're going to be seeing this, uh, I preached for the very first time at Life Church. And then just a couple days later, I accepted the job to come and to be one of the pastors at Life Church. And it's been such an honor and such a joy to be one of your pastors. But if I could say anything to you in a moment like this, after having gotten to know you for this past year, I, I feel like I would have the same words as Paul. And this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but we're in a Series on the letter to the Ephesians, and Paul writes a letter to this church. And I want to steal some of his words. I'm going to be jumping ahead a little bit. I apologize, but he says, I I can't stop thinking about you and praying for you. And when I pray for you, I pray that you would have the spiritual wisdom and insight to know God more, to grow in your knowledge of God even more than you already do. Life Church, I want, I want you to know him in this moment. I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I feel helpless. But I know God is faithful and he's going to continue to be faithful. In this season for all of us, we're maybe scared. We're anxious. I feel like everything is poking and prodding us and pressuring us to be a certain way, to think a certain way. And I want to to keep our focus on God. I want to know God more. And I want you to know God more. And to know his power and his greatness. His faithfulness in the midst of this. And on top of that, it's Mother's Day. It's just a crazy time. But I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Or those of you who are on the process of becoming a mom. Happy Mother's Day. You know, speaking of knowing, your mother might be the one that knows you the most. She knows you absolutely the most, quite possibly. And so do me a favor, if you're in the same room as your mom right now, and I don't know what your relationship is like, but do me a favor and just reach over or go over to her and just give her a giant smooch, okay? Because she knows you and she's probably the one that raised you the most. My wife right now, as I say this, is with our daughter and our other two kids are wondering where their mom is on Mother's Day. And I don't know if that's gonna be the case by the time you see this or not. Happy Mother's Day to you. Your mom probably knows you the most. I wanna ask you a question. What do you think it's like to truly know somebody? Or is it possible? Can you ever really truly know someone? Truly know them. What's it like? If you're married and your spouse is in the same room as you right now, can you look over at them and say, yeah, I I know you. I truly know you. And if you truly know somebody, what kind of reaction does that cause within you? Think about the feelings that you feel when you feel like you truly know someone. When I think of what it means to know somebody and then think about how that makes you feel internally and the kind of reaction that you have when you truly know somebody makes me think of this you know this scene is from the movie elf and buddy the elf is is really excited in this moment and if you know what's happening in the scene just go ahead and comment what he says in this moment there's a very famous line see the guy on the right is the store manager and he's making an announcement he says all right 10 a.m tomorrow morning santa's coming and how does buddy respond Right? Santa! I know him! I know him! And he wants to tell everybody that he knows Santa. Do you have this reaction when you feel like you truly know someone? I know him! I know her! Is that the way knowing somebody makes you feel? I mentioned already we're in a series where we're looking at a letter that has been written to a small church in the city of Ephesus where knowing things is is absolutely crucial. It's important in this context. And we heard a couple weeks ago that context is king in in reading the Bible and understanding the narrative of what God is trying to tell us in the scriptures. Now, you may have remembered hearing that Ephesus is is an important city in the ancient world. It's been um, sort of compared to sort of the New York and L.A. Of our time, right? It's a major powerful city for commerce. It's an important port city, but also it's a very intellectual city. Uh, you, you could almost say that in Ephesus, people know things. They know things. And so not only is it like New York or LA, but it's also sort of Yale and Stanford and Harvard and Princeton all wrapped into one. got a lot of smart people they've got influencers like Socrates and Plato that influence a lot of their thinking even to this day and so a pursuit of knowledge a pursuit of knowing things is incredibly important could almost say their pursuit of knowledge is is like their own god that's what they call idolatry And so you've got this intellectual city. You've also got a very religious city in terms of its powerful cults and witchcraft and pagan practices. I don't have any props around my house to illustrate that. So the closest thing that I could come up with is uh, we treat this as an idol sometimes. I I like my cherry Coke. I'm not going to lie. But this is a powerful city. So so imagine that context, if you will, and now imagine that you're, you're a small little church, a small little community who worships just this one God, and it's the God that's best represented in this poor Jewish man who lived in Israel, and now you're in what's known as modern-day Turkey on the West Coast, and everything... It's a bit difficult. Imagine being this small group trying to worship this God and imagine also that this church has to maintain its unity because you've got people who are Jewish Christians and people who are Gentile Christians. Now, for those of you who don't know that, uh, those two groups of people hated each other for centuries and now they're doing church together. They're worshiping Jesus together. But see... There's a reason why they're drawn together and it's the only reason why they would actually be together in this church. It's because of Jesus and his power and his greatness. Not only that he died on a cross to forgive them of their sin, but also he was resurrected. He's raised to new life and they too, if they follow Jesus, will recognize that they can experience resurrection life and that all of creation will experience resurrection and renewal and so this is really the only reason that brings these two people together these groups of people jews and gentiles men and women slave and free are all together in this small little community you imagine what they're going through probably hard to get along probably threats from inside and outside of the church How are they gonna stick together? How are they going to maintain their their sense of passion and excitement for Christ when they are absolutely the minority in that culture? Now imagine you're that church planter. You're Paul, You're, you're the one that helped start this church and you're writing to this church and you're wanting to encourage them to stay focused To to not lose heart, what would you say to them? What would you say to them? Well, this is a portion of what Paul says to the church. It's from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. It goes on to say, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let me ask you again, what's it like to truly know someone? To know Christ like this. To to have this sort of internal reaction of what's going on that changes all of the knowledge that you understand in the world around you. You're part of this small church, right? And he writes and he says, I I have not stopped thinking about you. And, And normally we might rush past these verses and think, well, that's not really the meat of the passage. Let's move on to hearing more about what Christ is all about. And so we do that. But imagine what these first words, these opening lines would have meant. I haven't stopped thinking about you and praying for you. This is meaningful to these people, especially given their context that they have been surrounded by challenges on every side, persecution, threats, even death. I'm with you. I'm for you, Paul says. But then he goes on to say this incredible prayer what it's like to to truly know Christ, to really want to see him with spiritual eyes, to see and to know him in a way that you can't see and know him on your own. I think about it like this. You recognize these, these magic eyes? I hate these. I can't stand them, especially when I saw them as a kid. I could never see what was in these magic eye pictures. And maybe right now you're looking at this and you're like, oh yeah, cool, it's a boat. Yeah, we're happy for you. I don't know how you see a boat or a mountain or a horse or whatever it is that you see in these. If you can see it, go ahead and type it in the comments. We're happy for you, okay? I could never see these and I hate these. And and then to make it even more frustrating, people would come along and say, Well, you know, you just have to be tired and just kind of stare at it for a really long time. Or then they would say something like, you know, you actually don't look at at the image, look through the image. I don't even know what that means. I could not understand what this is, and then finally, finally, every once in a while, somebody who is caring and compassionate would come along and, you know, maybe outline the image that they could see, but I couldn't see, and if they started to outline it a little bit, I could, I could kind of start to visualize whatever it is that they saw, a sailboat, a horse, whatever, but here's the thing, Paul, Paul is saying to this church, you need, you need the ability from God to be able to see what you can't normally see or know what you can't normally know in your own power. He's asking God to give them this ability to see and know what they can't see and know on their own. So again, remember the context of where we're at. We're knowing things as important in Ephesus. And, and I want to take that just a little bit further. What they believed that to be called was Gnosticism in the first century and it was kind of developed or at least made popular by a guy named Plato who I mentioned before and it's this idea that that mind and body are separate or fragmented from soul and spirit they're two very different entities and the mind and the body are flawed and incomplete but the soul and the spirit that's the good stuff And so because they're fragmented, you want to make them whole. Well, the only way to be able to do that is by making sure that the mind and the body are are better, uh, can achieve more. You want to gain more knowledge. You want to get more access to the religious cults of that time and experience power so that you could begin to meld these two worlds together. And if you did that, then you you could become more of a whole person or at least achieve a sense of salvation. You would sort of live in a more enlightened life if you could just gain more knowledge intellectually and religiously in terms of the cults that they would have been exposed to in Ephesus, worshiping many different pagan gods. Well, here's the problem. You can only do that if you just achieve more. Like what Nathan talked about last week, just achieve. And then you will achieve salvation. But all of that is done apart from God. You don't need God in that process. But here's where Paul's message is so radical and so different than what they would have understood in their context. Is that the only way that you can experience salvation is through Christ alone. Because he is Lord and he is above every power and authority and ruler. And his knowledge is the knowledge that leads to eternal life. The disciples following Jesus in the gospel narratives, they say, where else are we going to go, Jesus? You alone have the words of eternal life. You don't find that in books. Not that books are bad, they're good, but they're temporary. Christ is eternal and leads to eternal life, resurrection, power. But only through Christ do we experience that salvation. You and I, we can't achieve it on our own. We can't read enough books. We can't participate in enough idol worship to become greater than, to achieve a certain status. It's only through Christ. Paul uses this terminology, a rich and glorious inheritance. And there's a reason he uses that terminology in a very wealthy society who's thinking about commerce and business and and money, right? But think about it in in modern terms. Imagine you have a distant relative who you've never met before, but they have you receiving an inheritance someday from them. And, And also now imagine that this distant relative reaches out to you, Tells you about this inheritance and lets you know that you're going to be set for life because of this inheritance. And you've never met them before, but they say to you, hey, I'd like to get to know you. And I want you to get to know me too. Wouldn't you want to get to know them, right? How much more the God of the universe, Christ, the ultimate authority who has a rich and glorious inheritance that's more than just mere dollars and cents or stimulus checks or 401ks, but it is a rich and eternal, glorious life where we will truly live forever. Wouldn't you want to know him inside and out? So it's one thing to have knowledge and knowledge about Christ and about who he is and how great he is, but it 's a, a totally other thing to know what to do with that knowledge and so I want to use a quick diagram just to walk through how this knowledge of Christ is actually going to affect this group of people so we 've got Jews and Gentiles who make up this church, and the Jews are the minority group in the church and and they 're away from their Uh, what's familiar to them as Jewish people in a very Gentile city. And then the Gentiles are obviously the majority in this city of Ephesus. And so you can imagine the challenges that they face and they're being pulled into different directions. The Jews uh, might have this temptation to be pulled back into legalism and the way it was always done in the Jewish heritage and tradition, whereas the Gentiles might just become apathetic to the culture and the pressure of the culture around them to just assimilate with the culture. For example, the legalism brings out this sort of zealot behavior in the Jews and they might want to fight back against the culture. They might even become nationalistic in a sense and think that their faith is only in alignment with God and country, God and Israel and forget about the progressive work of Christ. Whereas the Gentiles, might just go back into some of their cultish ways of witchcraft and Gnosticism, thinking that their knowledge might achieve salvation. See, uh, but Paul's saying, keep Christ at the center. Christ is the thing that's going to start to pull you together. And his death on the cross is where that transformative power comes from. And it's a different kind of power than they could ever imagine to experience in their world. And ultimately, when they come together, they form this word, the church, or the word that we get is ekklesia. That's the Greek word for this church. It's not just a building, but it's this body of believers that comes together around Christ and around his resurrection because his resurrection changes everything. And because of that, it allows them to pursue unity. And just as another spoiler alert, this is what this letter is going to eventually start talking about. It's one thing to have knowledge about Christ, but it's another thing to take that knowledge and to move them toward unity. And these things start to go away. Minority and majority, Jew and Gentile, legalism and apathy start to go away. I wonder about you. Are you pulled into one of these directions? Maybe these terms aren't uh, totally modern for us to relate to, but the same forces that pulled these people away from each other and away from their their hope of being that ecclesia, are the same forces that pull us apart today. And this, this is the hope. This is what we want. We want Christ as the head. We want his power to inform our body, the ecclesia, so that we can be unified. And ultimately, this is for the church in Canton as well. What about you? What direction are you pulled into? is it apathy is it legalism are you a legalistic person where you wish you could just we just go back to the way things were it's about tradition it's about heritage about rules and so you want to fight against anything that you see in culture or are you more apathetic you just rather just go with the flow go with the way of culture and and maybe at one point you had hope in God but you're not seeing God move in the way that you hoped he would move anymore and so You just kind of become apathetic. Would you feel comfortable sharing that? I tend to lean towards legalism or I tend to lean towards apathy. I tend to be more apathetic and wonder, God, where are you in this? It's important to become aware of our tendencies. So why is it so important that we... That we name this that we name our tendencies the directions that we feel pulled into the different threats the threat of legalism and apathy why do we have to name that see i think if we retreat into what feels comfortable or normal in our minds then eventually that's going to affect our behaviors our attitudes we're going to retreat into what feels normal in our discussions and certainly on our social media posts, because that's really already been happening. And, and, and we're going to drift away from Christ and his power and his greatness. And ultimately, we're, we're going to drift away from the unity that we have that only comes from Christ. And Christ, as Paul says, is the head He's the head of our our body. He uses this very interesting language. The head, according to the Greeks, the head is where the knowledge is. That's where our brains are. If we are brain dead, in other words, if we don't have Christ at the center, if we don't have Christ as our head and recognize him as such, then we, I don't mean to be morbid, but we become decapitated. We're a headless body running around. We're severed. We're scattered. Our parts are scattered all over the place. And we're worthless. He's the head. We've got to look to Him as that. I'll say what my parents used to say to me when I was a kid and I made dumb decisions get your head on straight. Life church, we've, we've got to get our head on straight. We've got to look to Christ as the center. And we have to recognize that we are no different from the ancient people, from the people of Ephesus 2,000 years ago. They're dealing with the exact same things. We've got polarized people in our body. We're imperfect. We are. That's the nature of it. We've got people that are pulled into legalism. We've got people that are pulled into apathy and just want to give up on the whole thing. I'm one of those people. It's why we absolutely cannot retreat. We have to look to Christ. Without Christ, we're a decapitated body. We are incomplete. And I would say we're incomplete without each other. Don't give up. Don't retreat into legalism or apathy or whatever feels normal or comfortable. I'm asking God to give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we can grow in our knowledge of God, not just a head knowledge, but a whole bodily experience, a heart, soul, mind, strength kind of knowledge of God so he can transform us from the inside out. Because without him, We're going to move into our tendencies. We're going to move into what feels normal and comfortable. And I would call those infections to the body that make us sick. We need Christ because he's the only one. He's the Lord. He is great. He is good. He's the only one that can provide the salvation from this sickness that we face that causes disunity in the body. We need him. Desperately, we need him. Maybe you're watching and you don't know God in the way that we described knowing. Maybe you don't want to know God because you look at the people of God and you're like, they don't represent what I think God is supposed to represent and so I want nothing to do with it. I get that. I've felt that at times. But I want to invite you to try again to come and see, as Jesus would say. Just come and see. Experience the hope. Experience the greatness and the power that is Christ, who is seated in the heavenly realms. He is king, even though it doesn't feel like it. But he will be king for all of eternity. I want to invite you into that kind of knowing. An experiential knowing of Christ. Christ and watch him transform you from the inside out. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray along with me. And I wanna invite anybody who needs to be reminded of the power and greatness of Christ that brings us back into unity to pray along with me as well. Father, we look to you, the head, to keep our body intact. God, we confess that we fall into different camps, into different tendencies, and maybe even other tendencies that I didn't even mention. Maybe it's legalism, maybe it's apathy, maybe it's something else. But we want to know you. We want to know you even more than we already do. Because if we don't, then we're going to be a severed, scattered, decapitated body. We're incomplete without you. We're imperfect, but you are perfect. And so we look to you. I pray for anybody who doesn't know you. You might pray like this, God, I want to know you for the first time, experientially, mind, body, soul, and strength, so that I can experience this glorious, this rich and glorious inheritance of your kingdom. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton, or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to LifechurchCanton.org slash now or fill out the form linked in the show notes and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church online for the first time this, this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at LifeChurchCanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.